Hello, this is Rainer Knizia, game designer, and welcome to the great, big, beautiful podcast. I hear if I hear somebody with an interesting voice, I'll just I'll just like repeat after them, and I tell them. And if they're there in the room, if they, they find it annoying, but I'll, <laughs> I'll do it. I'll just do it quietly to myself because oh, there's there's something I've never tried Welsh. Okay. Some people just think that you're a mumbler. Well, now they think I'm a genius, so they just go, oh, he's he's doing this genius thing now. <laughs> watch watch what happens as he becomes Welsh. <laughs> Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. Welcome to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Find us on Twitter at the GBB Podcast, Facebook.com slash the GBB Podcast. We are here with another fantastic interview for your listening pleasure. I'm gonna have like a deep, deep voice guy. Yeah, do it. Maybe. Do it in like, you know, like like yeah, absolutely do it. <laughs> in a world where we interviewed Maurice Lamarche. Yeah, can you do like post production like manipulate <laughs> our voices? Like can you just make us both sound like like trail movie trailer guy? Yeah, let's do it. Well, we'll try. We'll see. I'm gonna, okay, I'm putting that one on your plate. That <laughs> okay. is your response. That's all me. I'll get it's some all you. I'll get some I'll Photoshop it. Maybe that'll work. <laughs> We're audio, Justin. <laughs> Dude, you can't Photoshop our oh, no. voices. <laughs> So this week we are interviewing. <laughs> yeah, nice. Let's just move on from that. Nice. This Went week, on. This week we're interviewing Maurice Lamarche, and you might think you might be thinking who's Maurice Lamarche, but you'll no, know who it, he is. You're not. Nobody's thinking. Nobody's that. thinking that. Okay. Nobody's thinking that. Nobody's thinking that. <laughs> yeah, you know who he is. Yeah. I mean, what what Justin was getting at was if you don't know his name, you know his voice. Is that it was? Am I right? I was is trying to be classy, but I guess I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he's 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 a superstar. Yeah, so yes. people people know who he is. No, he, uh, he has the blue check mark on Twitter. There and that is the apparently <laughs> that is the um, the sign of that you've been accepted into the golden circle of elites. Uh, and everybody exactly. should know who you are. You got it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but he's brain. Yes. And if anybody deserves the blue check mark on Twitter, it's brain. Yes, of course. Um, but he's, you know, he's obviously he's more than just the brain from Pinky and the Brain. If you don't know who that is, just shut shut us off right now. <laughs> go do your homework. Yeah. Um, he's he's more than the brain. He was Chief Quimby on Inspector Gadget. He was Egon on the Real Ghostbusters. Uh, he um, he has played Dizzy Devil on Tiny Toons, Yosemite Sam. He was about a thousand and one different voices on Futurama. If you watch Futurama, uh, did you watch that little movie last year called Zootopia? He was Mr. Big. <laughs> I love Mr. He's Big. Chief, he's Chief Burns on the Rescue Bots. I mean, come on. He was the he was the king in Frozen who had maybe what one line before he drowned at sea, but he was still awesome. It was a good line. It, I don't even remember. What it was. But yes, it was uh, it was good. Uh, Maurice LaMarche is is an amazing, amazing man, um, mm-hmm. and it was just an absolute pleasure. 
I say this a lot. I say I say it's an absolute pleasure because I'm a fan of pleasure, Justin. When it comes down to it, I like pleasure. You like fun. It's your thing. I, I, I do. But yeah, fun and pleasure. So I left the door wide open and you didn't jump on it. I, I was going I'm to. So, but I, so disappointed. In I was you. going to, but I was like, you know what? I don't want to get age restricted. on. Oh, that's true. And- <laughs> that's true. Uh, who are we kidding? No one's going to report us. <laughs> so it, it was a really fun interview. Um, he was calling us from his, he said he had a brand new car and he was calling us from it. It sounded great. I wish my car sounded like that. <laughs> I love that we do our, this was not the first interview we've done with somebody just talking on their car. Film. No, but that's why, like, I, that's why I'm saying it because his, his car was like, a, he had a podcast microphone built into his car. <laughs> oh, his, <laughs> like, his, his car mic <laughs> is better than some people who call in on their phones or, or microphones. So yeah, props to whoever made his car. Um, we should probably be getting paid for, for talking about yes. them. They should be the best sponsor we'll a, of the show. We'll, we'll put a link in the in the show notes. Yeah, I don't know if it was Alexis <laughs> or what it was. But yeah, you know, kudos on the uh, audio in that, that, right. that model. All right, so if you haven't shut this off already, um, we're going to just play the interview because I promise you it's good. So please listen. <laughs> better than us just talking? Yes, yes. We, we do much better when we interview people, I promise. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to play it for you right now. Enjoy. Maurice, thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. It's an oh. absolute pleasure to, for, to have you here. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, I know you started your career in stand-up, which, as far as I have been led to believe, is incredibly and notoriously difficult. Um, do you think that that assessment is fair? I mean, all we ever hear about stand-up is that it, you know, it breaks you. It either makes you or breaks you as a performer. Um, is, that, is that a fair assessment? Well, um, I think it can be for a lot of people. I, it's sort of strange. I had, uh, I had what is known in the world of comedy as a novelty act, which is to say I had another gimmick besides just being me in a microphone and giving my point of view in an, um, in an amusing way. Um, I had impressions. Yeah. So, uh, it's almost it's 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 not uh, I wouldn't say it's disparaging uh, uh, to, to 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 say novelty act, but other comedians do, you know, do tend to feel that if you're a guy that uses props or a puppet or you do impressions, you've got a little extra hook to get the audience that the, the, the average comedian doesn't have to do with just his take and talking. So. I had an easier time of it, I think, than a lot of guys uh, in terms of getting uh, getting the audience on my side. But I also think I might have been, as a comedian, a little bit lazy. And um, I was probably about half as funny mm-hmm. as as I should have been. And um, that's one of my big regrets is that, you know, I stopped doing stand-up right about when I was starting to get good. Yeah. Right about when I was starting to really, you know, develop my own, you know, my own place of where I'm coming from and and might make my comedy a little more personal, even though it still included the impressions. They were almost like, um, like a, like a Tourette's commentary on the stuff I was saying, you know, and I assume their personality as opposed to putting on these little one man plays of what would it be like if Johnny Carson was a waiter and what would it be like if Peter Falk was a waiter and yeah. what would it be like if Sylvester Stallone was a waiter? You know, I mean, you know, those, those were, those, that's the kind of way I started yeah. And like I said, it's not a cheat per se, but it does it does give you a bit of an edge. Yeah. But it also makes you flabby. 
Well, it's not it's also not something that everybody can do just because you can do if even if you're a comedian doesn't necessarily mean you can do impressions. In fact, it's I would say that probably most people can't. Oh, no, no, no. And, and they're two. They are two separate skills. I mean, yeah. there are people who can do great voices, but the idea of standing up on a stage uh, in front of, you know, 300 total strangers uh, is, is, is anathema to them. Yeah. Um, you know, they, I, I loved both and I loved doing, I loved doing an act that, uh, that where I could hear the laughs now and now in animation, you know, I'm still, I'm still sticking with, uh, other people's voices, but I don't get to know if it's funny for eight months. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, if it's funny to you, it'll probably be funny to others, right? Well, I, th- I don't know. I could have a really warped sense of humor, but, <laughs> but I generally go by the sort of, you know, pantomime laughter or or uh, it looks like TV with the sound down of uh, a show called A Desk Full of People Laughing. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll look and see the control room and, you know, I'll see them, you know, smiling, maybe even maybe pounding on the desk even a yeah. little bit. And I'll go, all right, I guess it's good. Boy, I wish I could hear that sound because that's a beautiful sound to me, people laughing. Yeah. And, you know, so anyway, but uh, I can go, all right, I guess that worked. Okay, good. <laughs> we can move on now. Well, you, I mean, like you said, you started in stand-up doing impressions and you're still, even through your animation, you're still very much known for your impressions. Um, when did you first know that you really had a gift for them? Well, I always, you know, messed around with uh, parroting back the TV or as we call it in Canada, the, the TV. <laughs> I don't know why we emphasize the first syllable, but it's the TV. What's on the TV? Um, so I, 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 I always did that. I mean, I walked to school going, you know, I, I, I just loved the Warner Brothers cartoons, and I you know, just skip along going which way did he go george which way did he go i love bunnies george <laughs> you know and and i was five years old and they all thought i was uh, challenged yeah. <laughs> and, and they wanted me checked out by school psychologists and the like and they did and what it came down to was he just wants some attention you know <laughs> mrs lamarche but she was sure there was something more more than that wrong with me uh but you know i i Still, when you're five, your voice is falsetto and you don't know you're any good at it. It sounds good in your head. Yeah. But when I was, you know, around, around when I was about 14 years old, my voice broke and a show called Columbo premiered uh, on, uh, I believe it was NBC, um, starring Peter Falk as a, as a rumpled detective who appears to be a moron and is actually a genius. Right. And um, I don't know if you guys have ever had a chance to check it out. Of course. Or whatever. Yep. Yeah. But uh, great show. And I just found him to be such a compelling character. Uh, and, the, you know, the next day after watching the show, I came out and a teacher of mine, Mr. Mr. Rob Fraser, with, with whom I'm it's still in touch. Um, he's gone on to become a principal and now he's retired. And um and as it turns out, his his son became dear friends with my youngest brother he, later on in life without them ever quite knowing what their previous generation connection was uh, at school. So anyway, uh, so Fraser is out there in the schoolyard and, you know, he's he's just, you know, trying to entertain the kids. So he does his impression of this new character, Columbo, and unbidden from my mouth, I, I go up to him, I hunch over and I go... Excuse me, Mr. Fraser, sir. Uh, there's been a murder here. 
you're murdering a Colombo impression. And it was so much better than his. <laughs> and the girls that were all like staring up at him like, oh, Mr. Fraser, you're so funny. They all started looking at me like, oh, that was really good. And it's like, oh, wow, attention from girls. Yeah. For being anybody but myself. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with that. Sure. If you don't love me, then maybe you'll love Columbo. And then next thing I know, I was doing, I was doing Tony Curtis. There was a show called the persuaders with him and Roger Moore, who was James Bond. And so I was, I loved that show. And so I started doing Tony Curtis before I knew it. I, you know, by the time I got out of the, uh, the, the you know, the eighth grade, I, I had, uh, I had like 10 impressions, you know, and I was just, I just did, you know, did them nonstop. And then next time we counted the next year, the list was 30 impressions. Mm. And, you know, I just, just kept trying voices. So that's kind of how I got started. And that's when I knew I had that facility when I, I just was able to kind of stretch or contract or, 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 you know, whatever it is that I need to do with my vocal cords and the, the, the shape of my mouth. Um, yeah. and throat it was just weird you know it's just it's but to me it doesn't seem special to me it's just like why can't everybody do this? exactly right you know i don't i guess i never turned off that part of my brain that we all have where we we begin by imitating everything around us you know we learn language that way we learn our, our native tongue and even secondary languages but that's why you know if your parents have an accent you'll have a slight accent even yeah. if you're brought up uh you know, in, 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 you know, the rest of the, is, is the rest of your circle is, is, uh, uh, you know, yeah. American, yeah. you know, there might be a slight lilt to your voice if your parents are Irish, you know, I mean, it's, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. So I just kept on imitating. I just find it fascinating too. And I still do. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I mean, if I hear, if I hear somebody with an interesting voice, I'll just, I'll just like repeat after them. And I tell and, and if they're there in the room, they, they find it annoying, but I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. I'll just do it quietly to myself because oh, there's there's something I've never tried Welsh. Okay. Where people just think that you're a mumbler. Well, now they think I'm a genius, so they just go, oh, he's he's doing this genius thing now. <laughs> watch, watch what happens as he becomes Welsh. Because you know? so, um, now I'm now people are throwing around words like like legend. Yeah. With my, I see my name in print with the word legend behind it. I'm going legend. I'm just a lucky, you know, lucky uh, <laughs> hack comedian actor, you know, who thank God I haven't had to take a day job since 1984. I mean, come yeah. on, legend. That's I not luck. Started. That's not luck. I just luck. started. Well, I'll tell you, the work is luck. The work is not work is not guaranteed in our business, no matter how good you are. It, yeah. There is a good portion of it that becomes it's about luck, and you know, I mean, luck you know, is, 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 is preparation meeting opportunity, but you know, it's still that opportunity that doesn't come to a lot of people. The greatest actor in the world is probably, you know, uh, selling ink and toner on the phone because, you know, even though he may have the greatest native acting skills in the world, maybe he, he just never got a break yeah. and quit and got, uh, got a, got a regular job, yeah. you know? And we, we may never meet the world's greatest actor or the world's greatest violinist, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's all about the breaks and being in the right place yeah. at the right time. Yeah, exactly. And being prepared when they come. Exactly. So sorry, when Justin. you, uh, sorry, when you decided to parlay the talent for voices into an acting career, how did your family and friends react? Was there a moment where there, you were just like, guys, I'm, I'm going to be an actor. <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I'm very, very lucky. My, my, you know, my mother worried for me, of course, but 
you know, we all we all knew when I was, uh, you know, a kid that from the type of kid I was, the one that where they constantly wanted to get my head examined, um, that that I wasn't going to be, you know, calming down anytime soon and following a, a traditional path of getting a cubicle and and doing a job or, you know, being on a, you know, whatever, whatever kind of thing it would be working on a construction site or, you know, that wouldn't, that wasn't coming my way. Certainly education wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to be academic. I, I was a very <laughs> poor, stu- very poor student, except for, you know, theater arts and English. But um, the rest of my marks were horrible and dragged my average down to, to barely passable. Um, and it's not that I'm unintelligent. I'm just nothing interests me except that which interests me. Right. So uh, I, you know, and I just, I just was not going to, there was no way I was going to do anything that required a university education. But um, my father, God rest his soul and God bless him, said to me, look, you will not be a person who follows a standard path. You should not be a person who follows a standard path. You, you, you've got to do what you're passionate about. You've got to do what you, what you are good at. And I'll support you in whatever you, whatever you need to whatever degree I can. But please don't try and don't try and be a square peg fitting into a round hole. It's not going to work. Do what you do well. That's fantastic. So, so he, he really kind of cheered me on and let me know that he was proud of me every time I got a little, uh, you know, a little level up in the business. And, um, you know, he, he would, um, he had, um, he had a lot of business in Europe. And I remember once I hadn't seen him in a good year and I was opening for, it was like my first big, casino you know uh, you know like uh, atlantic city casino mm. you know opening for a headliner thing it was eddie rabbit and um and it's not a cartoon character he, he <laughs> it's, a, it's a real guy <laughs> yeah and uh and i was opening for him uh, in at um, in atlantic city at i believe the trump i think it was a trump trump hotel if i'm not mistaken I probably was they all were at one point yes atlantic they city. all were and uh <laughs> And my dad just kind of, I, I went around a corner and my dad was backstage and uh, on his way to my dressing room as, as I was on my way to my dressing room. And it was just great because he was, I could see he was beaming and was truly proud of me. You know, I'd, I'd done other things that were, you know, kind of cool. You know, he came out to all my comedy club appearances and mom eventually calmed down too. She, she kind of got, got it that this was a, what I did and I was good at it and I seemed to be making a living at it. I had a television show in Toronto, a local uh, talent show. So I was, I appeared, you know, on, 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 on TV sets when I was 19 years old as the host of this uh, local show. And uh, so she kind of got that, you know, this was the path and, and that I, you know, I wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't doing terribly badly. Of course, he, you know, the, 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 the Irony of it was that here I was kind of fresh out of high school and I was doing a TV show and I was making a big $150 an episode. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, that was three times as much as I was making at my, you know, my day job that I yeah. quit when I took the TV show job. So here, you know, it was like, wow, I'm making big bank. Yeah. Doing what I love. <laughs> 150 uh, doing what I love, you know, and then I got, then, then somebody, you know, who'd, worked in American television told me that, well, if you were doing that same job in, in the United States, you'd make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Like, oh, don't, really? don't, don't say that. <laughs> yeah. No. You know, so from that point on, I knew I wanted to come to the States where the real money. Was. Well, sure. <laughs> right. 
So when you're moving over to the, the, your voice acting, the acting career, when you get a new character, how long does it usually take for you to find that voice and how much direction do you get? Well, it's a strange thing. Uh, I, you know, if they, if they need a particular voice within a certain period of time, um, I'll sit down and I'll do my research. And, you know, since, since YouTube came to be, it's, it became a lot easier. Yeah. I used to be a regular at, uh, you know, video, video stores, uh, you know, and, and searching out rare stuff. So I'd be in vidiots and cinephile and, mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, you know, and blockbuster, of course. But, you know, now with YouTube, I, I need, I need to learn somebody's voice, put it in, put it in search terms. And yeah. there I've got it. You know, I'm, I'm learning Charlie Sheen for the Simpsons for one line, you know, yeah. don't ask me to do it now because I also, once I do a, a thing like that, if I don't think I'm going to use it on a regular basis, it seems to get dragged to a backup hard drive somewhere in my brain. <laughs> and I never, I never use it again until the next time it's called on. But yeah. There's an example of something that actually happened where they said, we need a Charlie Sheen. And on the way down, I just started <laughs> listening to Charlie Sheen on YouTube, at a, you know, on a uh, best of two and a half men compilation yeah. thing, somebody's playlist. And, um, you know, uh, that's that's kind of how it works. I can't I can't really explain the mechanics of it. It's just something I've always been able to do. You do. So yeah. but when it comes to a, a voice that's so, you know, if, if, if they need a voice, that's not a uh, impression. It's not a famous person. If they need it, just like right. a, a new character voice. And if it's something that's like really different from your normal voice, you know, for example, Mr. Big in Zootopia, right. how, how do you find that inside of you? Is it just a matter of sort of standing in front of a mirror and just doing voices until it sounds right? Or well, it, de- it depends, you know, what the job is like, uh, you know, if they show me a model sheet of the character and then, a, you know, a page of dialogue. I just, it's sort of like, how do I, how do I put that guy's skin on? And what yeah. does he sound like? Cause he looks like that. And, and then I read the dialogue and get informed about his emotional state and what his wants are and all that from, if it's well-written dialogue, yeah. I can get that from it. And, 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 a, and a character grows from it. I mean, best example of that is brain. You know, when I saw that, the, the, the model sheet of the brain at my first uh, and only audition for Animaniacs, I saw, I just like sort of went, Oh, that feels very much like Orson Welles. Yeah. You know, let me, let me, let me just in, let me just put an Orson Welles in there. You know, and I already had a, an Orson Welles impression because yeah. I became fascinated with the frozen peas outtake. Oh know, yeah. Since, since 1984. <laughs> so I had a good, uh, I had a good like seven years to work on it. Um, in the case of, of big Mr. Big, that was a direct uh, request from Rich Moore. He actually called me up, uh, you know, on my cell phone and just said, "Hey, man, do you do a, do you do a Godfather? You do a Godfather, right? We did the Godfather on the Critic." And I said, "Yeah, I do a Brando thing. Yeah, absolutely." He goes, "Good. You'll get a call from your agent." And a couple of days later, I was <laughs> down at Disney, and Rich has known me for years, and you know, we worked together on on um, on Wreck It Ralph, and. Uh, you know, he had a hand in, in Frozen as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I, I've been very lucky that he just seems to keep calling me in. But with the case of Mr. Big, um, that was a very definite choice on his part. He definitely wanted to pay tribute to The Godfather. I mean, even when 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 uh, uh, Nick and Judy are in the limo with the big polar bears and they pull up to the estate and mm-hmm. that other polar bear lets down the chain, that shot is almost exactly the shot of... Uh, the Corleone compound mm-hmm. in The Godfather, you know, so uh, it's definitely a tip of the hat. And yeah. 
that's one that's been in my wheelhouse since I saw The Godfather in 1973 when I was 15 years old. Yeah. You know, I just I just started going, oh, this was the time, Michael. You know, and with with Big, we, he just, they pitched it up 18%. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, how much work was done to it. Yeah, uh, it's about eight semitones up because, okay. they, you know, because of the character's size, they just thought it would be funnier if he had this little sure. voice. And uh, and yet he's still, you know, he's still that that yeah. Brando-esque thing. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard a lot of talk, you know, you hear a lot of actors they talk about, you know, quote unquote, getting lost in a character. And how possible is that to do in animation when there's no makeup or costumes or sets or anything like that? You just show up to a studio and speak into a microphone. Can you still get lost in your character? Uh, yeah, I, I would say that uh, the first thing that comes to mind when you say that is Calendar Man in, in the Arkham games. Mm-hmm. Here is a guy uh, that, I mean, you know, let's let's leave Mr. Freeze aside. He has his own kind of weird uh, dichotomy of nobility and evil. And, you know, and and that was interesting to play. Because the two things I've got to play are I love my wife. She's dying. I've got to do everything I can to save her. And if you get in the way of that process, I'll have no qualms about killing you because your life is not as important as hers. So, you know, uh, you know, leaving aside that a rational human being goes, well, the guy I just froze, he's got a wife and kids who love him, too. And I just froze him to death. That doesn't occur to Victor Freeze. So, you know, uh, but the. That's easier to play than a guy like Calendar Man, who's on an almost Hannibal Lecter level of delighting in the murders and making sure they fall on holidays and finding a a perverse joy in that. And when, you know, in a game like Arkham, where the cutscenes have to be cinematically as good as they can be, um, I had to go there. I had to I had to like almost like for a moment, put my conscience on a shelf. And become like a psychopath mm. and talk about killing in a way that I might talk about eating. Yeah. You know? Um, so it was, it, and, then, and then you want to shower after a second. Yeah, you feel a little bit dirty, right? Yeah, yeah. So I heard, I was on a panel this weekend, this past weekend in Phoenix, at the Phoenix Comic Con with Nolan North, who talked about his character in The Last of Us having to kill his own daughter. And, uh, you know, and how hard that was for him to play. And that's when he said that's what's after he was done. And after he kind of got over it because he had to go to his darkest place, he went, "Okay, you're an actor, dude. Now 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 you've got some acting props. Yeah, no no doubt. So, I mean, so I guess pulling back a little bit from from those dark places, you know, there there are those characters that you play that are, you know, you you make you slightly uncomfortable, I'm sure, to to read the lines and get involved in those characters. But then there are the characters that are a lot, I I don't even know how to say, like complete, complete 180. And so when I was doing some research uh, to prepare for this, I was surprised to learn, you'll see where I'm going with this, is that you were the voice of Toucan Sam, who is probably as as not as dark as possibly can be. No, not at all. He just just has no... uh... Yeah, he has, he just he has no limits on him. He, in terms of, he just wants to find that fruit. You he just know? wants his fruit. Um, he wants to find it, or, or better yet, to find it in serial form. <laughs> but what surprised me, and I, quite quite honestly, I've never really done any sort of research about Toucan Sam before. So what surprised me was the pedigree this character has. Is that Mel Blanc was the first voice, and then it went to Paul Freeze, and then it went to you. I mean, and those are 
those are quite some shoes to fill, especially when you're talking about a serial mascot. Oh, if you don't, if you think, if you think that doesn't still occur to me, even though there's an entire generation of young adults mm-hmm. to whom I was the only Toucan Sam they ever yeah. heard. They never heard Paul's, and they they certainly never heard Mel's. I remember Mel's. I believe two. He made two Toucan Sam commercials, two Fruit Loops commercials. Um, and his his take on the character was gee, he basically sounded like Bonnie, yeah. like like Bonnie Rubble, the first version of Bonnie Rubble that he had, you know, or yeah. or, or a real time lower pitched Bugs Bunny, you know, and that was his take on Toucan. And they they talked in a weird sort of um, uh, what they call used to call Pig Latin, where you take the uh, the last part of a word and then take the first few syllables and put an A at the end of it. So you get oot fray oopslay, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then I don't know why that they, they, they went to Paul Fries, who decided to do uh, this kind of off the nose uh, uh, Ronald Coleman impression. Yeah. But I, in the studio now, I still go, I got to sound more like Paul. Yeah. You know, and I'll try to, you know, make the sound because he had a very nasal sound that almost sounded like he had a gigantic beak. You know, it was like, follow well, your nose. It always knows. Kenong's Fruit Loop cereal with natural <laughs> orange, lemon and cherry flavor. But uh, we don't have that kind of time now because we don't make one minute commercials anymore. We make right. 30 and or, or actually 27 and 15 mm-hmm. second long commercials because we've got to leave the nutritious breakfast tag for the announcer. <laughs> <laughs> so everything happens very fast. Come on, boys, let's go to Glitter Island. You know, but I still go. Oh God, it doesn't sound enough like Paul. So you know, I'm I'm aware of the pedigree and still feel, uh, even though, as I said, a lot of you know, 20, 24 year olds never heard yeah. any other Duke and mm-hmm. Sam but me. I still feel like I've got to honor Paul and that I'm filling those big shoes. Uh, do you ever get intimidated by that? I mean. Toucan Sam yeah, or any other, any I other do, character. I do. I do feel. I feel like. Listen, when I did Mr. Freeze, I thought I'm. I'm. I'm no Michael Ansara. Yeah. Michael Ansara has been doing this for you know 50 years. Who who might have think I can do this part? And you know I still go through that because I don't see me the way other people you know younger and who grew up with me whatever. I don't see myself that way. I see this guy. I see this. I still see myself as a guy just starting out and just maybe starting to get good at this. Yeah. You know, so when I read when when somebody does a print ad or a print story, excuse me, not a print ad, that's that's what a model does. But when somebody does a print story about me, as came out a couple of weeks ago, and says voiceover legend Maurice Lamarche, I go, who the heck are they talking about? <laughs> I don't know who that is. Voiceover legend. There's a guy with my name who's also doing voiceovers. <laughs> who's this guy? Oh my God! Now I got to change my name for show business. I don't feel like a legend or a genius or any of that stuff. I just feel like I'm just. A guy doing I'm, working. I'm a working guy. I'm a working right. actor, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, take, take, taking you down a notch from, from legend status, um, one of the fascinating things that I learned is that you were the uh, wacko's burps. That's what the legend, by the way, that's what the legend story was about. Was it really? <laughs> that's when they used the adjective legend nice. to describe the fact that I, I, I have this patented syntho burp synthetic <laughs> burp that hilarious. i do that actually has nothing to do with broccoli or, or or coca-cola or anything you know ingesting anything so that i can get a burp which i've seen a lot of other actors do yeah um you know they just drink coke and then you know do the do as much burping as they can do and they pick the longest wettest one <laughs> no uh, this is something i've done since uh since i was a kid and i used what i used to do was fold up uh plastic vomit 
you know, I'd palm it. I'd fold it into quarters and palm it and then lean forward in my chair and go, oh, teacher, I think I'm going to be sick. I think I'm going to be... And then I'd splat down the the, the the plastic puke. And if it landed right side up, it was it was very convincing. If it landed wrong side up, it looked like, like, you know, a big piece of plastic. Yeah. And, you know, the, the teacher, I mean, I got detention for that, but I just <laughs> thought it was the greatest, quote unquote, practical joke. Yeah. Amuse your friends that uh, that I'd ever done, and so the, I developed the sound to fit. You know, try just what's the pukiest thing you can do with your mouth, and so I did this whole technique of, you know, rolling my tongue a certain way and then just doing a sort of glottal, glottal fry in my throat, <laughs> yeah. which hurts. I mean, it hurts me to do oh, it. I'm sure, but it's it's sure worth the laugh. So, I mean, for Animaniacs, when Wacko would come out and burp the different songs, would you actually do the songs, or did they did they adjust that in, in production? I, I did the songs. Wow. And then we did a bunch of wild burps, and I'd, I'd do scales in the burps. And then we'd include a couple of real burps as well. <laughs> and what they did was they just took – they sampled everything, and they actually put it on a keyboard so that they could play it like a musical piece. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah. See, legend, legend, and you wonder why people use the word. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, uh, it still it still stuns me. So we we had Rob on the show, and we asked him this question when he was here. But I have to ask you too. Do you ever think the world will see an animated duo as perfect as the two of you, as Pinky and the Brain? Well. You know, I mean, that, thank you for the compliment. I mean, I listen, I'm finally at the point, because this is 20 years later, where I can actually watch Pinky in the Brain and not hear Rob and me, Yeah. but hear two, two distinct characters and really enjoy their, their, their stories. Um, they, are, they are pretty great, if I can say so. As, <laughs> as, with that, you can with say that, so. <laughs> with that sort of divorced from the work um, of perspective. I find I find them terrific. Um, you know, I, I I don't know. I don't know if what the what what the world of animation has in store for us. I think they are very special, and I would love to somehow or another get a chance for Rob and me to play them again. Mm-hmm. I have said over and over again that you know if they ever do think to themselves, hey, you know, those kids are all grown up now. Let's let's make a, a full big budget Pinky in the Brain movie. The trend to go towards celebrities, you know, I'm, I don't hold out a lot of hope that they'll they'll go to the original actors, even though oh, what I think a mistake that would, that would, that be. would give the grown kids the jollies that they're looking for. Because whenever you mm-hmm. go back and hope to revisit your childhood, you know, when they make these films, you know, I know everybody wants to put their original take on it, their own spin, their stamp, and therefore Katy Perry becomes, um, <laughs> you know, um, Elmira. Uh, no, no, the the Smurf. Uh, oh, Smurfette. Yeah. Smurf. Katy Perry becomes Smurfette instead of it being uh, the original actress. Yeah. You know, um, that's you know, I, I, you know, I see, I see that that's what they do in the in the, in the world of movies. But I'll tell you, when I went when I went to see the first Transformers movie with my with my son who was much younger then, and. You know, we go through all that setup and, you know, Shia LaBeouf and his dad and buying the car and yakety schmackety. But we finally reveal Optimus mm-hmm. and Optimus's first line is spoken. Mm-hmm. And it's it's Peter Cullen, yep. the Optimus we grew up with. And I hear all these dads going, oh, my God, they got the real guy. 
Brings you right no, back to 1984. It's, it's the real Optimus. And it was like <laughs> their childhood's just welled up in their heart, you know, yeah. in a way that, you know, when 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 uh, Megatron first shows up and, you know, they used a very fine actor, Hugo Weaving, mm-hmm. uh, as the voice, uh, there was almost no reaction yeah. because it wasn't Frank Welker who was Megatron. If they'd have used Frank, yeah. I bet you that he got a second gasp. Okay. So, you know, the, I I not because I think I'm, you know, such hot, you know what, um, I, I just think that for the nostalgia value, uh, if they made a pinky in the brain movie and used, you know, the original pinky in the brain, Rob, Rob Paulson, myself, the, the, the grown kids would love it, you oh. know, and not now ju- with not Netflix, just the grown kids. Well, and, and, and yeah, the, the new generation that's now discovering, Animaniacs on sure. Netflix. It's only been on Netflix yep. a month, and I can't tell you how many little ones mm-hmm. have been coming out to my table. I've gone, I've done three cons in a row, three three comic cons in a row uh, this month, and the little ones that are coming up to my table and and asking me to do the brain mm-hmm. because their parents and their parents are very proud. Yeah, we're showing them what good 90, 90s cartoons are about, you know, <laughs> and they love the brain. The little guy, they, these new little kids are rediscovering Pinky in the Brain. Yeah. So That's I awesome. mean, to cast. You know Peter Dinklage and Russell Brand as Pinky in the Brain. <laughs> Much as I respect both of them, it just be, I think the wrong choice if you're gonna do a you know you're gonna you're gonna reboot Pinky in the Brain as a big budget movie. And clearly you thought about that too. It was a nightmare I had once. <laughs> and again, I have no. I just I think Dinklage is a brilliant actor, and, yeah. and Russell Brand is a very 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 intelligent comedian. But uh, yeah, I just thought, well, that's what that's what they would do. I guess yeah. that is what they do. <laughs> so I mean, no rush for the movie to get made because I don't think an offer would come my way. But I could be wrong. Uh, I'd love to be wrong. I would love, love for you to be wrong too. That would yeah. be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I don't even know if there's there's a, the idea is even in the works. So. Yes. Well, I think a lot might be riding on you know the reception that it's getting with this Netflix run. I mean, people are just ecstatic to see it all on Netflix, mm-hmm. and it's like you said, it's finding this whole new audience. It certainly is. I just don't know if rights wise, you know, the the, the deal they made at the time was a was a 50 50 deal with with Amblin Entertainment and Warner Brothers. So they each own 50 percent of the characters. And I think both sides, you know, have never gotten, quote unquote, back into bed with each other. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, 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 the idea of, well, who who will get the lion's share of the money and is it worthwhile? It's really a 50 cent on the dollar kind of thing to uh, make this thing. You know, we won't see that much from it. And and then they go make something else. You know, I, they, 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 they keep doing mouse. I hear they keep doing CGI mouse tests and then make things like Mouse Hunt, mm. you know, from, yeah. from it because they go, we won't, well, we get 100 percent of Mouse Hunt yeah, exactly. or we get 100 percent of the bugs if we do a Bugs Bunny movie. Why would we only make 50 cents on the dollar with a pinky in the brain? Yeah. Right. And then I'm sure Mr. Spielberg is having the same thought, you know, with his, with his business people. Yeah. So, uh, oh well, it sits, it, it, so it sits, it sits on Netflix for everyone to enjoy. Yeah. That's not going anywhere. In its original and perfect form. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is, you are correct. You are correct. And I will always and forever love it. <laughs> as will I, uh, both as an audience member and as, as, as an acting experience and the chance to work with my dear friend, Rob. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is in our, in our real life relationship, he's the genius and I'm the kind of the, the one that, <laughs> oh, please, you're both geniuses. Like you're grass, both legends. I'm a little bit on the obtuse side sometimes. <laughs> well, I, I assume, 
you know, you, you mentioned going to all these cons and conventions and, and, and you, know, you do panels and you do signing lines. So you meet a lot of fans. And I assume that the brain is the voice that you're probably most often asked to do when fans meet you. Pro- probably by about a ratio of two to one. For every yeah. Voice. Have you ever, though, been surprised at a voice that somebody comes up and says, oh, this was my favorite character. Can you do this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, who asked me this weekend? Somebody had a really unusual thing. I said, I can't believe you remembered that. And I wish I could tell you what it was. Yeah. But it was like, it was something I did once. And I was yeah. like, that's, that's what you want me to do? Really? Because <laughs> I always do a voice, you know, whenever I sign a picture. Mm-hmm. I then read them what I wrote in the voice of the character that they asked for. I would say Kiff Croker is my second most requested voice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I'll always read them the sigh. Uh, I sign every picture for Kiff. I say to, you know, to Dave. And then I'll just go ellipses, sigh, ellipses. And I go, to Dave, uh, Kiff Croker. And, uh, <laughs> and then I give them do, the picture. Yeah. Do you ever do you, do you ever get asked about a character that you just completely forgot that you did? Be like, oh, I don't remember doing that one. Uh, somebody did that this weekend. And, and again, I wish I had a better memory. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it was like they, they mentioned it. And I said, are you sure it's me you're thinking of? <laughs> And we actually looked up, looked it up on the IMDb, and I went, yeah, that, that was me. I guess it's a one-off I did about 20 years ago, and I just don't have any memory of it. I'm sorry, but I certainly don't have a picture of that character, that's for sure. <laughs> so they had to settle for the brain, who just goes, yes! And, and anybody who feels that they're settling for the brain deserves a smack in the head, really. Yes. Oh, well. well. <laughs> um, when I take over the world, it shall not go well for them. Yes, Jamie. <laughs> Um, I know we're running up against time. I just wanted to ask you a couple questions. I, I know having a career in voiceover affords you a certain degree of anonymity that, you know, a, an actor that might be on screen TV or films might not have. Uh, but as we've said many times, you're a legend. People know who you are with YouTube and the convention appearances. People know what you look like. So do you ever get tired of the attention that invariably comes when people just suddenly realize who you are and just be like, oh, you're the or you know you're whoever you know it's still a thrill for me it still is uh, i'll tell you what what the only time that I, I find myself sort of going oh really this is what it's like to be a famous guy wow <laughs> it's not not all it's cracked up to be is that you know now that now it's the autograph uh you know the professional autograph seekers who oh, yeah. get your autograph and then put it on ebay uh are camping out i don't know how they know but they're camping out at airports <sighs> and one guy when i landed when I landed last week in Orlando, there was a guy at my gate. So he had bought himself a plane ticket so he could get beyond security. Yeah. So he could be the first guy to meet me at the gate wow. to sign about 10 things. And there's a thing that they do that, that, I, that, that, I mean, I don't mind. I get it. And you know what? If I can help you make an extra, you know, you know an extra 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever, <laughs> Just by scribbling, fine. I've got no problems with that. Um, (laughs) You know, it's when they go, uh, just one more. And and this is the last one, really. Oh, can you, and and this one, I'm sorry. I thought Uh, that was was the last one. And and just one more. And they just keep lifting and there's more and more and there's more brains and there's more kiffs and there's more morbos. And you sort of go like, how many do I just signed here? Ten? Come on. Okay, and then, but I don't say that, but I'm thinking to myself, I gotta get going. I got, I got somebody waiting for me down a baggage claim to take me to the convention. And yeah, and how did you get back here again, sir? Yeah. You know, how and, much was and, the flight ticket that you paid to get beyond security? 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, the deal is, of course, you buy it. You know, I could figure it out immediately. You buy a, a refundable ticket oh. and you don't get on the plane and you call and you right. say, hey, I'm, I'm not able to make the flight. Please refund my credit card and it costs you nothing, you know. But what a, you know, what a, what a, what a way to, to do it. I'm just amazed. How do they know? Yeah. How do they know which yeah. flight I'm on? You know, it's, it's and a, so, and I, I'm scary, it's a little scary, and and I, yet I'm a, I'm flattered that anybody cares enough to get my autograph to go to all that trouble. It means I'm doing something right, I suppose. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, there was there was uh, you know there there've been a couple of times where, you know, it's been just been the, the nicest surprise in the world. Somebody comes up to me and goes, "Excuse me, are you Maurice Lamarche?" And I just go, "How do you? Yeah. Why yeah. do you?" And you know, it's like they they see my picture on the on on YouTube or on some internet site, and it's just like, hey, that's kind of neat. <laughs> he and likes me. He really likes me. <laughs> well, bless you for doing that. I mean, I I gotta imagine getting off a plane. The last thing you want to do is be assaulted by somebody with a stack of glossies. But you know, that you do it is great. I had a migraine headache uh, that I was like, I was almost, almost got sick on the plane and uh, you know, and, but Hey, you know, the, 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 I get it, you know, yeah. I, I get it. And it's, you know, the, the people need to make money as they can. Yeah. Well, knowing what you know now about the, the, the industry and everything that you went through, would you still recommend a career in uh, voiceover to somebody who was just starting out? I don't know why I wouldn't. I mean, as long as you're as long as you're willing to go, you know, and become a good actor first, because as Rob and I are both in agreement, voice acting isn't about voice. It's about acting. Yeah. We just don't have the the added uh, dimensions of having to sit around and wait in our trailers and set hair lighting and makeup and costume. We just step up to a microphone. Scripts are there. And we, you know, we, we sight read very often or we maybe get one rehearsal. And we we act yeah. and then we shut it down and say thanks a lot and sign the contracts. And if we're lucky, we move on to our second job of the day yeah. or our third job of the day. Or if you're Jim Cummings, your seventh job, <laughs> you know, and and that's just that's just how it goes. That's amazing. Yeah. But I'd encourage it's very fun. But if you're looking for fame, if you're looking for, <laughs> you know, people to call you legend, well, you've got to wait about 36 years before that happens. <laughs> Boris, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been an other absolute words, pleasure. You, in other words, you've got to get old in order for that. You got to get old to be famous, oh, right? Oh God, yes. <laughs> well, thank you. You know what? It's 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 uh, really been a pleasure for me. Thank you for having me on. And, uh, it's you. been a fun interview. I've enjoyed it. All right. Well, that's it for this week on the Great Big Beautiful Podcast, and. That was a fun. It was really fun to do that one. I remember we did this chat in full disclosure. We did this a, a while ago because we record them. Um, but I remember it being, you know, really fun. And you hang up, and that's just one of the ones you feel good after. Yeah. <laughs> we. In, it's funny the ones we've done with the voice actors. Yeah. The guys who are, and women, but mm-hmm. I don't know if we've had. Have we had any female voice actors on the you show? You know what? I don't think so. And well, that I talked to, to Laura Bailey that last year. Yes, you did. Yep. Uh, but that was just a quick chat, and she was together with Travis Willingham. Right. Um, but I got to get on that. Yeah. I don't know why we that haven't had more happen. female voice actors. You need to get uh, – and I'm a horrible person for not knowing her name, but the lady that does the voice for Bart Simpson, that should be easy. You should that should be easy? Really? <laughs> 
for you. You're the master. I'd like to see you start booking some guests. (laughs) That should be easy one for you. (laughs) Nancy. No, but I mean, there's plenty of. I remember there's plenty of people. could get her and we could get Tara Strong and we could get Tress McNeil and uh, My- Myla Kunis, I'll, I'll work on that. Myla Kunis, she does Meg on Family Guy. You could get her. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, maybe we could get like an in-person interview with her. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. You know, sit down. Maybe I could invite her to dinner yep. and we could just, you maybe, know, go maybe, hang out. Maybe somewhere. Ashton will come too, you know. Um, no, I'll tell <laughs> he can stay at home and you know what, Justin, you can stay at home too. All right. Just be me, me just and Mila Kunis and I'll, I'll take one for the team yeah, on that. That'd, that'd be tough. That'd yeah. Be it'll be hard, but yeah, I'll survive. <laughs> All right, guys, we're, we're going to get in trouble. So we're going to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming back week after week. Hit that big. It's not red, but not really that big I'm going to say it. Uh, Whatever. Hit subscribe if you haven't. <laughs> so you can be sure to get us. <laughs> I, I mean, hopefully that's a good thing in your ears every single week and get to hear great, fantastic interviews. And I can't wait to keep on going and I can't wait to, you know, continue this. I don't know what I'm, I'm rambling. Yeah, but that's okay because I'm right wait. there with you. I can't, I can't wait. wait either. I'm excited. For whatever it is that you just said, yes, I can't wait. For I can't it. wait. I can't wait. <laughs> I don't know what it is we're waiting for, so we might be waiting a while. Yes. All right. So you want to get in contact, find us on Facebook at the GBB podcast, and we're also uh, Twitter at the GBB podcast. It's the same. It's easy. You can find us. (laughs) I'm Justin at 140 Justin C. I'm Jamie at the Roarbots. And have a great week. We'll see you next time. Care. Take care. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.